Blog Talk Radio. Give us a song book, let's stand together, and let's turn to 463 when the roll is called up yonder. I'll be there. If you if you mean that, sing it with everything in you. If you're not sure, listen to the end of the service. You get saved, and we can sing it with us next time we sing it. Amen. 
earlier she she I don't know what she's done to rotate her cuff and her left arm but she can't raise her arm hardly at all it's a lot of pain she's had a hard time sleeping last night couldn't get comfortable so pray we're gonna go to the doctor on Monday and see if we can't find out something uh, pray for me as well yesterday I was getting ready for the message and and uh, been doing fine been, been just absolutely doing fine and all of a sudden my hand wouldn't work I couldn't write uh, about 10 minutes I tried to write I could couldn't write so like with somebody else's hand and I was trying to use it. So I don't know. I'm fine now. feel fine. feel fine since that happened. But I'm going to go to the doctor on Monday and see if I can figure out something. Y'all just pray and get things regulated. Uh, anybody else? Yes. Mm. Let's see. Goodness. Amen. Amen. Y'all lift her brother up in prayer. Anybody else? Any other prayer request? Yes, ma'am. And my aunt and my aunt and cousin. Anybody else? And we'll go to the Lord. Yes, Jackie. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. (laughs) 
Amen. Well, it, this morning, today is Father's Day, and I wanted to just say a few words before we before we go any further. I'm I'm very thankful this morning uh, for the men that God put in my life for my raising. Um, I'm thankful for my dad. Like I said this morning, I haven't always had a lot of good things to say about him, but I I know he loved me, and I know he tried in his own way to love me the best he knew how. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for both of my grandpas, my grandfathers that. That God put in my life, both of them godly men, and both of them set a high standard, a high watermark for me to follow. But I'm also very grateful for the the, the men of God who have uh, who have took me under their wing, who who uh, saw something in me, however small it may have been, and they invested in that, and uh, and they pointed me in the right direction, pointed me along this road of ministry. Uh, some of them older than me, some of them younger than me, but not important. Though they were younger, God has used great men, and I'm thankful for each and every one of them. I'm thankful for every man in here this morning. I'm thankful for your fellowship and your friendship, and uh, I just urge all men just to be a daddy as strong and as hard as they can. Give it all you got, regardless of how it turns out, because it'll, it's, it's, its own, it's its own reward. Amen. And that's about all I can say. And I'm thankful this morning, and I spent the whole time on the drive over here talking to my Father in heaven, and I'm thankful most of all this Father's Day for my Father in heaven. Because he never makes mistakes, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's sing this morning, uh, and we have we have something to sing about. One sixty-five. We're gonna sing a song. We don't sing a lot. Faith of our fathers, Amen. If it weren't for those that went before us, we wouldn't have what we have today. Faith of our fathers, living still in spite of dungeon fire and storm. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy when we hear that glorious word. Praise of our Father's holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Our fathers came in prison for stealing over and consciously. Our folks would see their children's faith if they like them could die for thee. Faith of our fathers, holy Thank you. 
Grand virtuous life, faith of our fathers holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Amen. That is 271. 271. I come to the garden alone. Number 271. I come to the garden alone While the dew still on the road And the voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God is frozen, and he walks with me as he comes with me, and he tells me where he is and the joy we share as we carry there, the other has ever Thank you. 
Lord God, we just pray that you move now. Open our understanding, Lord. Give us clear vision of what you're saying. Lord, trust those that are listening in this morning, those that are in the house, and Father, put your hand on me and use me for Christ's glory, and I give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's so good to be in God's house. I, I was reading yesterday, uh, reading a little bit on, online about uh, our good friend Leo Lytle, and, and uh, God just used them tremendously. And, and, and he was telling, his wife was telling a story of how uh, they intended they were going up north. I can't remember where they were going. Way up north somewhere, I think South Dakota maybe. And uh, they were on their way up through Texas through the Panhandle up into a little bit of Oklahoma. And somewhere up in there they had some they had some vehicle friends and they spent the whole day running around trying to fix the van. And uh, and they ended up, in, usually on a normal day, they, they had seen, I think the day before, they'd seen 17 people get saved. Well, on this particular, and they were just, they were just, uh, they were just rejoicing, rejoicing. Well, they woke up the next day, and they were just wore out, give out. They thought they were just fine, but they was give out. And then the car broke down, the van broke down, so they spent the whole day chasing stuff. Well, it was just one, there was one person that, that, that God allowed them to reach that day. It had nothing to do with their ministry. But it was one person. I can't remember all the details, but it was it was it was a case where somebody uh, wouldn't have come, but, it was, but God used that that situation for them to be able to minister to that person who helped them out on the road, and they won them. And she was talking about sometimes God gets you to leave the 99, go look for the one. You know, even though their ministry is about reaching tons of people, if they hadn't had that breakdown, they would have never reached that one. And and I just that touched my heart. God's done that with me, and I know God's done that with some of you. And it's such a blessing when you when you feel the hand of God guiding you to reach one person. Amen. It's such a it's a personal thing. You realize what a personal God we serve and, and how He cares and He loves for each and every one of us. We're all different, but He loves us each and every one of us. Amen. Let's look at the Bible this morning. Acts twenty four. And uh, last week last week, Paul, you remember Paul was uh, before the uh he was before well, actually he'd been uh, he went before the council. And uh, and before the council, you remember he was he was uh, he was speaking to them, and then all oh, they, they blowed up on him, and and uh, and then he, and then these fellows said they're going to take a vow, they're going they're going to vow they want to eat that for forty days until Paul is dead. They're going to kill him. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry, them guys, them guys, died dead. Because they didn't get to kill Paul like they wanted to, and Paul, instead of them, instead of them killing him, God intervened. God in, chapter, in verse eleven of twenty-three. I'm gonna read it to you. The night following, the Lord stood by him. The Lord, not the angel of the Lord, but also the Lord, L-O-R-D, Lord, stood by him and said, "Be of good cheer. Cheer up, Paul. It's gonna be all right. Everybody's mad at you. They all want to kill you, but cheer up. Amen. <laughs> they're gonna murder you, but cheer up, Paul. No, they're not gonna murder you." He said, For as thou hast testified to me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. So he's saying, Cheer up, they're not going to kill you. Cheer up. These these Romans are not going to do anything to you. These Jews are not going to cheer up. You're going somewhere. Amen. And and we need to remember that. Amen. I, I wrote above that, that verse of scripture, blessed assurance. Amen. Paul had blessed assurance that, that God had him and he was going to be all right. And I'm, I'm think, I think about that sometimes, a statement my friend made years ago, you're invincible until God is finished with you. Amen? The devil can't do a thing to you. I mean, he can't destroy you. God. If God's hands on you and God's got a promise to you, the devil can't do nothing about it. You're invincible 
what God's doing, so God takes his hand off of you. All right, well, let's get into this and look at it, amen. Uh, we're going to look, first of all, verses 1 through 9, chapter 24. Again, Paul, uh, I, I guess I need to set it up just a little bit better, but uh, most of you were here last week. But Paul, had, he, got a, he got an escort. You got 40 men that want to kill him. Forty days until they kill Paul. Again, that's a bad violation. And Paul gets his promise from God, and then the Romans they take Paul and and they give him they give him four hundred and seventy men to escort him to Caesarea. Two hundred of those men are total spears in their hands. And then their horses, their soldiers, there ain't nobody in the Jews' company who's going to try to attack 470 soldiers to kill Paul. They think going to do it. So Paul's on his way down there. He's got a nice escort. He's a Roman citizen. He pulled his Roman card out and said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. And so because the Romans believe in, in, in fairness and in justice, they're going to treat him fairly, and they're giving him his rights. They're saying to him, you have rights, and we're going to make sure that your rights are honored. So anyway, so he was taken to Caesarea, and he was put in hold there until his accusers could come down and stand before him. So we're going to look here in verse 24, chapter 24, verse 1. Verses 1 through 9, we see the delegation arriving down there. Amen? So we'll read verses, we'll read verses 1 through 9. And after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with certain orators named Tertullus who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that thy very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence, we accepted always and in all places most noble Felix with all thankfulness. Now let me stop right there. Let's just look at those three verses. Okay, so five days later, after Paul got Caesarea, these Jews come down, Ananias, the high priest, and the elders that are with him, and, and they come down to accuse him before the Roman governor, Felix. So I want to set the scene and get you to picture it. I want you to picture a courtroom, and up sitting on his throne, high and lifted up is Governor Felix. And he's not a good guy. He's not a good guy at all. He's a, he's a corrupt politician, just like the rest of them. And he's sitting up on his high and lofty throne. And you got Paul standing over there all by himself, representing himself. He doesn't have an attorney. Paul's representing himself. Then you got over here, you've got Ananias and the elders. They're sitting over here accusing. And then you've got this, this slick, willing lawyer named Tertullus. And he's a slick dude now. Bill Clinton would be proud of Tertullus. He's a slick dude. He's an orator of all orators. I mean, he's got flowery language for days. And he's a kiss-up. Oh, he's a kiss-up. Listen to him. I want you to listen. Because everything he says to Felix is an absolute bold-faced lie. Every bit of it. Listen to what he says. He said, he said, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness. That's not true. Their whole kingdom had been a stirring up bunch of trouble. That's a lie. They were just kissing up to him. He said, and, and that, that, that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy prophets. You've been so good to us, Felix. 
It's so wonderful. Let me kiss you, Felix. No, he was a cruel and ruthless governor. He was not someone who had been good to them. He was someone who had taken advantage of them. And, I mean, and, and the way he talks about it, he said, we accept it always. And in all the places, most noble feelings, all the thankfulness. We just love you so much. But the truth of it was they couldn't stand him. Amen. I mean, this is, when you're going to do something, when you're going to do the wrong thing, you go all the way. You're going to do it wrong, just go all the way and do it wrong all the way. And that's what they were doing. I mean, they, they, I ain't met a lawyer yet that I really liked. Him. I know one. Amen. But I ain't met too many of them that I really liked. I met one as a good Christian man. I, I don't know any others. But the rest of them are all shady. But but thank God, thank God, all this slick talking didn't go very far. And we'll see that. But to get to verse 4, Verse 4, and he says, Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee as I wish here of thy clemency a few words. Now, you may translate that. He's saying, I don't want to waste your time, Governor, so let's get right to the point. Okay? Verse 5, he said for, okay, he's going to give him the charges against Paul. He said, now, for we found this man a pestilent fellow. This, this little jerk over here, boy, he's a troublemaker. What a, what a rude little guy. And a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who also have gone about to profane the temple, whom we took and would have judged according to our laws. Now let me just stop right there. Now he's he's accused him of three different things. He's accused him first of all. He's accused him of sedition. If you don't know what sedition is, that means he was stirring up trouble, causing trouble all over the Roman Empire. They said everywhere he went, he caused trouble. Now, did he cause trouble? No. The Jews caused trouble when he preached Christ. He, he simply preached the truth, and they went nuts. So it wasn't Paul causing trouble. It was them causing trouble, but they were blaming Paul. So, so they, that, that was their first charge. Their second charge was heresy. Heresy is teaching things contrary to the truth, or contrary to the Jewish religion, is the way they were putting it. He said they were, again, he was going in and telling them that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and is the Messiah. And by him, you have eternal life. So they're saying he's preaching, he's preaching false things. He's preaching the wrong thing. And the last thing they accused him of was profaning the temple. And verse 6, he said he'd gone about to profane the temple. Remember, they thought he had brought in a, a Gentile. So those were the three charges that they leveled at Paul, and I'll just go ahead and tell you all of them were false, but those were the charges. Then I want you to look at verse 7 and 8. This is so like today. I can't tell you, again, I can't tell you how like today it is. The mainstream media is a liar. Okay, what you see in that little window is, is, is what they want you to see. Most times when they show a crowd of rioters, and it looks like we're going to hit a people the street, there's about 40 people that will be one of those I got the camera in front. So they, they show you what they want you to see, and then make you believe what they want you to believe. That's why I don't watch it no more, because it's all lies. And why don't I sit and look at liars? But this is the, the liars don't change. Liars are the same no matter what century they're in. I want you to look at this liar as he tells his story. Listen to what happened. Now, you and I were there last week. We saw what happened. 
But the chief captain, okay, they would have, we had Paul, we were going to judge him according to our laws. Throwed him out in the road, and everybody was beating him with their knuckles. <laughs> we would have judged him according to our laws. But doggone it, Chief Captain Lysias came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands. And that's, 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 that's all it was. That's the mainstream media version of Paul's arrest. And, it, and they said, he said, with the great violence, he took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee. He made us come all the way down here. We could have handled it there, but look what he made us do. It's all this is his fault. By examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things wherein we accuse him. All right, so he might just come out here to you where you can figure all this stuff out. And now look at verse 9. This is the saddest part to me. And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. You have the high priest and all the elders. These are very powerful, influential men. And Tertullius stood right there and told lie after lie after lie. And they look over at the religious leaders of Israel and they say, is that so? And they said, mm-hmm, just like he said. They agreed with every lie. You know what? The, the religious leaders of our time still agree with lies. The religious leaders always will because religion ain't going to save anybody. Amen. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Amen. That's Paul talking. Amen. Paul knows what's about. Lord of godliness. Look how godly I am. I'm a godly man. I'm, you know, there's, there's so many people that, that, that present themselves to be something that they are not. Uh, the, the big shot religious leaders of this world, I wouldn't listen to them for anything because I can assure you this. You don't get to that position by telling the truth. You don't get to that position by doing the right thing and honoring God. You get there by selling out, compromise, and doing whatever you got to do to get there, to get position. Because the, uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said it years ago, the, popula- the popularity that you achieve in this life is equal to the amount of control they have over you. They're only going to let you be so popular because your message is going to resonate with people and those that control the, the, the information that goes out in this world. If you got the wrong message, they ain't going to let you get it out. Amen. It used to be different back before they controlled it all, but it's too late now. We're living in a day where freedom of speech ain't necessarily freedom of speech. Amen. Now let's keep going. So they, they've agreed and said, no, this is all a bunch of lies. This is, uh, what he said is true, okay? But the reason they said it again, they're the religious leaders. Religion never fixes a man. It never does. It takes Jesus Christ to change that man and make him new. Amen? His life for mine. Amen? Indeed. Amen? He died for me. He gave his life for mine. He laid his life down as a sacrifice for mine. 
but his life reminds not only in, in deed, but in daily practice. Amen. When I get up in, in every day, if, if I don't ask him to let his life live through me, I can't live a life that pleases him because I can't in my flesh please God, and you can't in your flesh please God. We have to submit and sacrifice our flesh. Not try to butter him up. He did not say, 
for as much as I know, Doc's been a wonderful judge for many years. He didn't say he's been a good one or a bad one. He just said, I'm just glad you've been a judge for a long time. And the reason he's saying, I'm he's saying I'm glad you've been a judge for a long time is because you won't be fooled by this nonsense. You can see through this nonsense. That's why he's making that statement. You're not going to be have the wool pulled over your eyes by this slick attorney named Tertullus who got up here and told a bunch of lies. Now, look at verse 11. Because thou, thou mayest understand that there are yet but 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for the worship. He said, now look, remember something, this happened less than two weeks ago, okay? Uh, you, you, you can find out the details. This ain't like something that happened a long time ago that y'all got to dig find it. I mean, this is fresh. Everybody knows about it. And they, in verse 12, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogue, nor in the city. He wasn't causing riots. They called him of sedition. Now, again, they were talking about all things that happened in, in, up in Asia Minor. But he was saying, listen, when I went to the temple, when all this stuff happened, I wasn't stirring up anybody. And he wasn't. He was sitting there worshiping quietly with, with his head shaved, trying to stay, stay out of the way. And uh, he said, he said there in verse 12, he said, I, was, I wasn't trying to raise up the people. I wasn't doing it in the synagogues. I wasn't out in the streets doing it. Verse 13, he said, and, and y'all ain't got no proof neither. You can't prove these things. Amen? So, so it's all of you. It's just your word against mine. That's all it is. Verse 14. But I like this right here. He says, but this I confess unto thee. I will confess something I did do. He said, after that after the way. Now, that those two words right there are key. Are key. After the way which they call heresy. When you see them referring to the way in the Word of God in the New Testament, they're referring to Christ. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and nothing else. After the way that they call heresy. So worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. Did you know that what we believe was called heresy for hundreds of years by the Catholic Church? I mean, they, they, they literally martyred hundreds of thousands and oh, more than that. They murdered millions. I want to say it was like some 51 million that died during the Dark Ages. Now, you say, these people believe like us? Yes. I mean, they might not have had a, a church building. They might not have had Baptists on their sign, but they believe the things that we believe. You say, and what was different from them from the others? Well, you had the others that were following the Babylonian junk, and they were baptizing babies and, 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 and making people do works for salvation. And, and you had these believers, and they, they believe it in Christ. They believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And they get baptized by immersion to proclaim publicly what's happened on the inside. And the, and the, and the Catholics said, no, it's heresy. You can't do that. And they killed them, and they tortured them. They tore them limb from limb. They, they, they peeled their skin off. They boiled them in oil. They stretched them between horses and they pulled their joints out of socket. They pulled them apart and killed them. They threw them to wild beasts. I mean, they hung me around their neck and sent them out in the wilderness to be torn of wild animals. They did everything they could. They put them, they threw them on spikes. They put them in iron maiden and cut them shut. The spikes they did it. I could go on for an hour telling you all the tragic things that happen to people that believe the same way you and I do. And a lot of us don't realize that stuff happened in America. It didn't happen just like that. 
But even when I, even when believers got to America, there were people here that, that followed them over here and continued to make their life a nightmare and said, if you don't do it like what we say, if you don't do it exactly like we say, then we will run you unfound. We'll whip you, we'll fight you, we'll outlaw you. You can't buy and sell nothing in the ground. If you, if you won't pay our preacher down the road that ain't got nothing to do with you, if you don't pay taxes to our ministers, then you can't preach. If you don't give us money for the rifles that we're telling you truth, you can't preach. What Baptist preachers do? They went out in the woods. They preached in, they preached in fields. They hid in secret and met. In this country, they persecuted the way everywhere. Amen? And they still are. So anyway, Felix was familiar with Christianity, and that was a blessing. So Paul wisely uses his time to spin this conversation from the charge of heresy to a witness presentation. I love how Paul does this. Look at what he does. And he says, he said, again, let's back up to 14. He said, I confess to thee that after the way they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets. Again, he says, I, I, don't, I don't disbelieve the law and the prophets. Good night, I, I believe. I believe it. I, I believe the law. I see that Christ fulfilled the law. I, I, I see he became righteousness for you and I. I see that in the Word of God. And he, he's, and you know what? And not only that, he sees in the prophecies that they prophesy about Christ's coming. They pro- prophesy about his second coming. They prophesy uh, all about his life. And I see all that in there. And he said, verse 15, I have hope toward God. I have hope. What is that hope he's speaking of? That's his hope of the resurrection. The resurrection of the dead, amen. That's what he's speaking about. He said, I have hope toward God, which they themselves also have. Why? Because they're Pharisees, remember? Those Pharisees that came down, I don't think it was the Sadducees that came. I know Ananias was a Pharisee, and I think the others that came with him more than likely were Pharisees. So all these men sitting there looking at them, looking at Felix, they all believe the resurrection. He said, they believe it too, and they're accusing me. And he said, here unto I exercise myself to have always, this is how I live my life, he's telling me. He said, I, for, uh, from throughout my life, here unto I exercise myself to have always have a conscious void of offense toward God and toward men. He said, my faith, the faith that I have in Christ, it allows me to live with a clear conscience. Why? Because of my sin, I go to God and I confess that sin to him, and he's faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, First John 1, 9 tells me. He says, and I have a clear conscience before God, and I'm serving God, I'm living for God, I'm trying to please God with my life. He was far from perfect, and we saw just in the last couple of weeks that Paul went against God and was stubborn, trying to do things his way. Again, he wasn't perfect, but by, uh, by God's standards, but by man's standards, he was top notch. You wouldn't know what you could say about Paul. But I can tell you this, and ain't none of us perfect. And you, you can say, I'm a good person, man. I, I, I'm a good Christian. I love God. I serve God. I try to do right. I try to live, live right and live for my family and for the Lord and all that. And that's great. But you still fall down. You still mess up. You still, you still fail the Lord sometimes. You still have to confess sin. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody in here. I don't care what the Nazarene church says. There ain't nobody in here achieves sinless perfection on earth. It don't happen. That's a false doctrine they teach. That ain't true. Amen? But I, I can tell you, Paul was as good as they could, amen? 
He truly was. He said, I, I, ain't got no, I have nothing in my conscience toward God that's bothering me. I have nothing in my conscience toward man that's bothering me. He said in, he said in, uh, he said in 2 Corinthians 13.5, he said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. What does that mean? It means make sure Christ is living in me. I need to, I need to regularly check and make sure, not, not make sure he's living. I don't know if I got saved. I don't know if I got saved. So he's in there, but I need to examine myself to make sure others can see So what do we mean? I mean, I need to look at my own life. Instead of, listen, we're all good at examining everybody else, aren't we? We, 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 can, we can tell a lot of it about somebody else. But if it comes to us, we have a hard time with that. Because that's me. That's, I'm okay, it's me. But the Bible tells us, Paul says, quit looking at everybody else and look at yourself. Examine yourself whether your life is letting the light of Christ shine through. That's examining yourself whether you be in the faith. It's not whether or not you're saved. Because when you get saved, you can't get out of faith. I'm unsaved, I'm saved. Salvation is forever. But he wants us to examine our life. And that's what he's saying. I examine mine. And I can tell you that ain't nothing between me and God that's wrong right now. And there ain't nothing between me and man that's wrong right now. Amen. And that's where we all ought to stand on a daily basis. We ought to make sure that we live a life that we confess our sins and we get things right. We get things right between us and other people. We get things right between us and God. And we try to serve God with our life. And that's what Paul had been doing. Amen. And you know what? Let me tell you something else. And you can say, you can say, well, I'm a good person. I'm good. I'm good this and good that. But let me let me tell you something, neighbor. God's got a record of every bit of it. You can't lie to Him. You're gonna stand. You're gonna stand for none of us. You're gonna stand for God. And God's got a record. And you can't. And you you say all you want to, but I can tell you right now, God will call you out on and say, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, I don't think you'll try to lie to God and stand for Him. That'd be a foolish thing. I don't think anybody can do that. All right, so we're almost done. Let's get to the end of it. Verse 17 and 18. Paul said, Now after many years I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. Remember he had a, he had a love offering he collected from the churches he was bringing to help the saints in Jerusalem. He said, Listen, I wasn't there to profane the temple. I brought offerings, and I was worshiping quietly when they grabbed me. They threw me outside and commenced a whooping to hide off of me. That's what was going on. He said, work on certain Jews from Asia. They found me purified in the temple. And 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 he said, and 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 neither neither with the two a multitude nor with the tumult. I wasn't in there with a crowd of people. I wasn't in there stirring up trouble. Look at verse nineteen. He said, Who earth had been here before thee and objected if they had anything against me? He said, Where are them guys at? Down that accused me of government. Right here. Well, we beat it, don't you think, Felix? Verse 20 and 21. He said, Or else let the same here, he's pointing at the high priest and the others, or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. See, it's really all about Jesus. It wasn't about sedition or, or anything else. It was about Jesus. It was about the resurrection from the dead. That's 
what it's all about. And Paul recounts the story of chapter 23 before the council. He shares with them what happened there that day before them. And uh, and so let's look at verse 22. Again, we've looked, we've looked at the delegation that came down. We've looked at his defense. And now we're going to look at the deferment, okay, because this ain't going to get settled on this day. It's going to be pushed off into the future, verses 22 and 23. And when Felix heard these things, again, I told you he knew about Christianity, having a more perfect knowledge of that way. He'd been around Christians for years. He knew Christians. This wasn't something new that, that Tertullus was telling him. When he's telling him how Paul was a crazy, wild man who was causing riots and stuff in the temple, he knew better than that. He knew Christians didn't act that way. He'd been around. He knew the character of believers. So, you know, Tertullius, as, as, as fancy as he was, as educated and as slick as he was, he didn't get much past Felix. Felix saw right through him. And so the Bible said he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost you matter. This guy you say did wrong, I'll talk to him and we'll figure this out. So he wanted to hear from Lysias. So the devilish plot for right now was stopped anyway. All right, again, the devil tried. The devil wanted to shut Paul down. He wanted to kill Paul, but it wasn't going to happen. Again, Paul had been assured by God it's going to be okay. Amen? So verse 23, we see that Paul still a prisoner, but he's granted liberties. He commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, that he should forbid none of his acquaintances to minister to come to him. So he had, they could come and go as they pleased. People could come in and see him. He could sit and talk and teach and preach and do whatever. He had full visitation privileges. I mean, wide open like he was just a resident of that city. I want to uh, quickly. I want you to look at verse twenty-six. We'll jump down just for a second. I want to show you another reason why Felix put him off from doing anything with him. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and commune with him. So he starts spending time with Paul because he hoped that maybe he, Paul would figure out. You know, hey, I just give you a little bribe, maybe you turn me loose. And he knew. He knew again. He knew Paul had collected a big offering for the church of Jerusalem. And I think Felix had his eyes on some of that money. And he said, you know, maybe he'd give me a big bribe and I'd turn him loose. See, he's a corrupt politician. We're all corrupt, by the way. Amen. I don't know. I mean, in this day and time, I, I don't trust any of them. Uh, but anyway, this brings us down to verse 24, 25. We're almost done. We're circling the field with our landing gear down, as my old preacher used to say. <clears throat> We get to the doctrines. So this is where it gets. This is where it gets. This is all the rest of this is leading up to this right here. So, so get woke up real good because we're going to end. Amen. Twenty four and twenty five. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, what a name! Sound like a Disney character, don't it? Which was a Jewess. He he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now let me stop and tell you some things that you don't know. Drusilla, y'all remember? Y'all remember Herod Agrippa? You remember Herod Agrippa? Herod Agrippa. He's out. He's out speaking to a, a, a group of people, and they and he's wearing a silver garment and shining the light, and they start saying he's a god, he's a god, and he didn't rebuke them at all. He just took it all in stride. Oh yeah, and God smote him with worms, and he died. Y'all remember Herod, Herod Agrippa? Okay, Drusilla is Herod Agrippa's daughter. 
okay? She's his daughter, and she was married to another fella. And Felix met her, and they started slipping around, started fooling around one another. And pretty soon Felix talked her into leaving her wife and uh, her husband and divorcing him, and now she's with Felix. So they're living in a they're living in an adulterous relationship as it is. So that's the situation. And they they wanted to hear Paul. They sent for him. Verse twenty four says they sent for him and heard him concerning faith in Christ. I don't know. I guess maybe they sat around there one day bored. They didn't have enough to pick in their fingernails. They said, "Why don't you get Paul in here? Let's listen to him talk a minute." That was a bad decision on their part regarding their sin because they fixed to get it. Amen. So they called him in. And he gave this message. Now, if it had been you, you and me, we might have said to Paul, check about why we ought to get rid of Not Paul. Not Paul. Why? Because Paul knows he's going to make it to Rome, and he's in Caesarea. And he knows he's still got the place to go. God's going to take care of him. So Paul ain't a bit worried about anybody's opinion. He's not worried about being politically correct. He's not worried about hacking off the government. He's, a matter of fact, he speaks a level conviction by the power of the Holy Ghost upon the government. Now, look at him go. I love this, man. You see God's preacher get riled up, and some old, some old uh, rotten official, man, it just gets, that gets my juices flowing. I like that, amen. I can't stand a wicked, rotten government going to try to tell good people what to do. I can't stand it, amen. It's godlessness, and I hate it with everything in me. Amen. I don't hate them. I hate what they do. Amen. And, and this is nothing more than the same old thing. And Paul says, okay, all right, you want to hear from me? i got something to say to you. Number one, righteousness. He he reasoned to them of righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. He started talking about how holy God was. They never know nothing about holiness in their life because they're all unholy. Amen. They went to, he went to talking about man falling from grace and how man was sinful and how man was nothing but wicked all the days of his life. And, and as he talked about that, he, he showed them their enmity or their hatred for God. And then, how do they like that? Holy Ghost of God begins to stir in their voices. And then he switched his subject. He went to his second point, which was temperance. He started talking about being having a moderate use of things that are good, so we're not overindulging in things that are good. We lose our control and our grip on things. And we don't even do things that are bad. We don't the things that are bad, but we need to let our moderation be made known to all men. Why? He's talking to a, a woman who left her husband to marry another guy, and a guy who went along with it. He's talking to people that couldn't control themselves, and they never control themselves. They don't restrain their passions. They just do whatever they want. They're powerful. They're elite, just like Boston and all the rest of them. They're elite, and they do what they want, when they want, and who they want, how they want. They don't care what you or I or anybody else thinks, and that's the Romans. Nobody's going to put you in chains. Maybe nobody's going to lock you away in a dungeon. But let me tell you something, honey, when you die, you're going to spend half an hour in a 
they made them uncomfortable. He prayed for repent. He prayed for repent or perish. Turn or burn. Drew Sulla said, I don't like this. I don't like this guy. You need to tell him to hush. He, he, this is not what I wanted to hear. Oh, we need to get up and get out of here. The Bible said, Felix trembled. We see the last point, number five, the delay. Felix trembled. Let me ask you a question. Did you, when God showed you your sin, did you tremble? When the Holy Spirit of God convicted you, did you tremble? I did. I remember it. I remember trembling. I remember feeling the wrath of God that was going to fall on me if I didn't turn to Christ. I'm going to tell you something. If, if you didn't feel conviction, I'd I, 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 I question my salvation just a little bit. I'd I, I go back and revisit where I was at and what I did. Listen, God deals with us and he shows us that we're not fit to stand in presence. And that's why we realize we need Jesus. Amen. We don't get saved because it's a good idea. We don't get saved because it's a nice thing. We get saved because we're lost, wicked sinners bound for hell, and we can't do a thing about it. And the only way we can avoid that is by reaching out and latching on to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and paid the debt and, and made, filled the gap and made it possible for us to come to God. That's the only way. And Felix said, Oh, I'm under conviction. I believe Felix was. I believe Felix began to look at his sin. Felix began to see himself through the lens of the Word of God. And, and he was bothered. But let me tell you something. Drew didn't get convicted. The Bible doesn't say she got convicted. The Bible speaks about Felix. Felix wasn't even a Jew. She was. Here's the thing. If Felix had repented, he would have had to do things right. He'd have to tell her, you go back to your husband. You know, along with me. He looked at her, looked at Paul. He said, I can't do that. I can't make that deal. If I turn to Christ, I turn loose of her. I can't do that. That's why people don't get saved. You know that? Because they'd have to do right. And if they do right, they'd lose the things that they hang on to so preciously. And that's why they won't turn to Christ. They'd rather, it's like I told you in Sunday school. Man chose the tree of death versus the tree of life. And that's the same thing man keeps doing over and over and over and over again. Thank God for every one of you in here who chose Jesus, who believed on Christ. Amen. If there's so many out here without Christ who don't want him, they'd rather have their sins, just like Felix. He gave up eternal life for temporary pleasure. Think about it. What a bad choice Felix made. Mark 8.36 says, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Felix had the whole world. I mean, he did. He was, a, he was a Roman governor. He was a very, very powerful man. He had anything and everything he wanted. I mean, as far as the world's concerned. And he chose to hang on to all that versus having eternal life. See so what he did? He tried to tell God to wait. He did. Notice what he said. He said, he, he said go thy way for this time. Oh, I've, I've heard enough for today. I can't hear any more. This is bothering me. It's bothering her. Uh, you know, she don't want to hear any more. And, and, and when I have a convenient season, listen, when, when, when I get a time when ain't nobody else here and I can sit and listen to you, I'll call you back out here. So he said, I'll call for you when I have a convenient season. He tried to tell God to wait. You see, if, if the Holy Ghost is convicting you, the authority to tell God to hush. 
You don't have the right to tell God, come back some other time when it's more comfortable for me and then I'll do business with you. God is knocking at your heart's door about something. Immediately respond. He will not knock long. God is not. God does not have to knock long. Do you realize that? There's, there's nothing out there that says God has to wait. And you know what? As far as we know, that day never came. Verse 27. Look at verse 27 and we're done. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room. And Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Paul was in that. Paul was kept in that captivity, though he had though he had liberty for two years. And during those two years, as far as we know, Felix never said, "Come back and talk to me, and let's get this settled." You put God off, God don't come back and knock again. Sometimes, I mean, the Bible says, "My spirit." That's what Genesis six three says. My spirit shall not always strive with man. When God's knocking, it's time to reach for the door handle. Let's stand together. Well, it's been good to be in church with you today. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And as we do, if God's moved on your heart about something, I would urge you to come and do business with him, to not wait if God's knocking about something. And listen, it doesn't have to be about salvation. Amen? God knocks about all kinds of things. Amen? God speaks to our heart about coming, coming to him and getting some things right. Maybe this morning that's what you need to do. I don't know. You do you know what I'm And if God can deal with you right now, this is the time that it's in place. And God, if you felt that conviction in your heart, do something about it. Come to God. Let it down. Get rid of it. Unload yourself from that heavy burden. If there's something God's asking you to do, you can ask it to do it. Run to Him. He said, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And I know you're giving it straight to fire to it. Whatever it may be, let's quit being people again. Let's be people who are willing to come to God and say, God, take my life. And let it be consecrated. Father, I pray, Lord, you bless this, bless this invitation, bless each one, bless each heart, each one. Father, you give us a message, you spoke to us. I pray, Father, you draw us out of decision time. Folks, you make decisions today, and we'll give you the glory and praise for it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
kind to somebody. Tell them, tell them Jesus loves them. Crying out loud, they need to hear it. This world's dying. And uh, be back here tonight at six. Uh, and uh, be back here.